When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you believe that there is more to life than what you see right now and you want to find out more, listen in as her guests share their journey and their extraordinary experiences. Now, here is your host, Rhonda Grant. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show. Sometimes the universe has a way of placing people or obstacles in your path to help guide and direct you on your mission. Listen in as we discover the path my guest has traveled. Has she been inspired by a calling, crafted her journey, or a bit of both? I invite you to embrace the conversation and to use it to help you to recognize if this is happening in your life. Our guest today is Barbara Doust, Success Mindset Strategist and Business Growth Accelerator. As a certified thinking into results consultant with Procter and Gallagher Institute, Barbara shows entrepreneurs, small business owners, and leaders how to access exponential business results and embrace change as an opportunity for growth. It is Barbara's passion to help people get out of their own way, break out with procrastination, say goodbye to perfectionism, and stop postponing the life of their dreams. When you work with Barbara, you'll learn how to engage your creative mind and utilize your most powerful tool, your imagination. Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show, Barbara. Thank you so much for having me again, Rhonda. It's my pleasure. We're going to have a wonderful journey together. I know that you help people with their dreams, desires, and goals. Can you share about your journey? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's so ironic to me that I'm in, you know, a later phase in my life, let's put it that way, and that I never understood the real importance of goals or designing a future or creating a roadmap toward achievement. I always now in my past, I was in the entertainment business for 30 years. I ran a theater company in San Francisco. I've got a degree in theater and um, I have a master's in directing from UCLA. And I ran a theater company. I had a show at the Kennedy Center. I had success, but I was always living kind of just gig to gig and deciding what was next. But I didn't have a real understanding of creating a vision for my life or a vision for my company and really aiming for some strategic milestones in order to create a bigger picture, Uh, Mm. whether it was growing my company so that there were more people involved that I could pay, you know, a stronger team. I had no concept of that. I was just 
I just had a desire. I just had a desire, kind of like Edmund Hillary wanting to climb Mount Everest. He didn't know why he wanted it. He just mm-hmm. knew he wanted it. And that's kind of the way that I lived my life. It would be, well, I want to direct this show, you know, and so the next six months, it would be a, a focused on, you know, a project. So I had a concept of understanding deadlines and creating productions and events, but I didn't have an overall perspective of a vision of how I could really have greater impact in the world. So I just, you know, really just followed the next lead, the next lead, the next lead, the next lead. And then even after I graduated from UCLA with my master's in directing, I thought I was going to teach at the university level. That's why I went and I got my my master's so that Mm -hmm. I could have a steady income, you know, or some stability. And for a year, I applied to over 250 universities and I did not hear back from one university. Yeah. And I was really in a conundrum of how am I going to survive, you know, and what, it, what, what am I going to do? So I took odd jobs. I worked at a talent agency. I worked at a law firm and everything was making me more and more miserable. My choices were not defined. They just weren't defined. And then I just happened to have the good fortune of being called to interview with the Olsen twins. Mm -hmm. And so the Olsen twins, they were seven years old at that time. And I just had a certainty that this was my next direction. And I ended up working with them for 10 years. So I got to travel the world. I got to work on, you know, many sets. And I also established a, um, an acting academy for young professionals here in Hollywood. And again, even with my acting academy, it was always just, well, the next series of classes, the next series of classes. I didn't have a vision. I really didn't understand business. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was an artist with a struggling artist mentality and just being grateful for any kind of breadcrumbs that came my way. When I started working with the twins, it was a a big uh, raise in salary from working in the theater to working in film. And I started to feel more relaxed as a result of that because I never had my focus on money, Rhonda. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was just driven by, you know, What's the next production I'm going to be involved in? And even money wasn't even on, you know, on the plate. I did teach 25 drama classes a week in order to sustain myself. And I was a California artist in um, artist in residence, a California artist in residence for the California Council. And uh, but I was the drama teacher who was selected, you know, to go to all these schools in the Bay Area and San Francisco. Um, And I was just, you know, doing 25 classes a week, producing and directing for my theater company at night, and then directing, you know, for other companies as well and co-producing with other companies. And really, it wasn't until I collapsed that, you know, it was um, a wake-up call. Also, when I went to the Kennedy Center and what they, what I was paid, the remuneration for that was so low, but I was just in a place of always being just grateful that I could work, just grateful that I could work, but not realizing I was on a hamster wheel of, you know, not making more money and just, 
you know, continually seeking, how am I going to do my art and survive, you know, real survival mentality. And once I got into, you know, doing more film work and I was really working toward directing, directing on TV and film sets at that time, though, it was more challenging uh, for women. I, and I can also say it was, it's challenging for men as well. But at mm-hmm. that time, there were a lot of um, obstacles in the way uh, that were gender related. And, you know, I just uh, just kept trying, just kept trying. Until one day, it was uh, two months before my 25th wedding anniversary that my um, my husband died suddenly. And we had been together for 28 years and we had lived our lives together in the theater world together. Um, and then I just collapsed again. I just was, why, why me? Why did mm-hmm. this happen to me? Why oh, him? Yes. One of the most amazing, amazing creative people I have ever met in my life. Um, one that it was, you know, we were joined at the hip and he was really my soulmate. And, um, and, but what I discovered that was, I went on a journey. I went on a journey to find me because I discovered that I really didn't know how to love myself, that I had been codependent without realizing I was codependent, that my value was always affirmed by my late husband who always held me up, who always supported me, who always guided me, who always encouraged me, who always said, you can do this. You're so talented and go for it. And, uh, you know, and his belief in me is what I lived on. And then I had this time where it was me and it was me alone. And I discovered as well that I'd been living my whole life seeking approval outside of myself. Mm-hmm. And not knowing my own self-worth, not knowing my own self-value, not having the self-esteem. I didn't even realize. I thought if somebody had said to me that I lacked confidence or I lacked self-esteem or I lacked self-love at the time that I was on this journey, I would have said, what are you, nuts? Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, you're talking to somebody who feels very confident, who's a director, who, you know, who knows what she wants. But I, I, I again didn't know what I know now. And I often say to people, if I knew then what I know now, mm-hmm. I'd be retired on an island. You know, I'd have, you know, the wealth that I, you know, I didn't even dream of wealth at the time. I didn't even dream of having uh, money. You know, I didn't even dream of having a bigger capacity so that I could give back or help people or grow um, people or, you know, and even if somebody was in need that I could give unconditionally, you Mm. know, I had lived my life with conditions and then it became a journey of, you know, why was change so complicated? And after, um, after I lost Patrick, you know, my support system started to really die as well you know use that word because that's what it felt like and that's exactly what happened as I discovered a a different version of myself I I found a year later I found Patrick's mother dead in her apartment and then my father died my best friend died and my brother-in-law died jumping out of a plane and his parachute didn't open Mm -hmm. so I had all of this within two years And I spent really the next three years looking at ways to join them on the other side, 
It's too bad. It was part of the journey. And now I can understand. I, I so understand, you know, the devastation of loss and, and when your world collapses and when you um, are not at choice. So in the work that I do now, um, there are two ways that we change. And one way is bam, through a traumatic event or an right. ecstatic event, right? Mm-hmm. And yes. then your world capsizes or your world becomes elevated. Um, and then the other way that we change is through, you know, constant space repetition of a new idea, of a, a new plan, of a new goal, of a, you know, going after a dream and staying consistent with who do you have to be in order to achieve that new identity, that new version of yourself, that higher version of yourself, the next level version of yourself. And the way that I do that with my clients now is through designing the vision and designing, you know, who do you have to be in order to get closer to closing that gap between where you are and where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And our, our guests might not know what you mean about um, this version of yourself and another version and another version, because if they, if they are the same version of themselves for their whole life. And let's say it's a woman who's going into menopause. If she could know that there is another version of her waiting on the other side of that, I mean, that would be exciting, right? Yeah. And so can you speak to that version? Because um, a person may not know what has to happen to get to that new version. Yeah. Yeah. Great question, Rhonda. Um, you know, I'm talking, and it's recently more than ever, talking to a lot of women and men, uh, 55 and older, right. who are experiencing the next chapter in their lives, but they're also feeling uh, scared, yeah. worried, insignificant, not knowing, you know, because like retirement is coming. Um, and I say to people, it's time to rewire and never retire. Mm, so, awesome. You know, it's, it's really about if you're not, if, because I believe, you know, spirit is constantly moving to and through you forever seeking fuller expression and expansion. And it's when we're growing that we feel alive. And so now I even take a, a lot of my acting coaching and directing background and encourage people to get into the feelings, you know, of living life, the spirit of life and growing just as a flower is growing toward the light, you know, and that the cycle of life doesn't just end because you retire, so to speak. Right. And it's to create that new version of yourself is to go. The work that I do with people is we go after a goal or a dream Because I say to people, there's a dream inside of you and it's not going away and it never has gone away. So let's explore that. And as my mentor, Bob Proctor, would say, more dreams are buried in the graveyard because people Uh tiptoe safely to their death. And it's that safety zone or lack of awareness of what it takes to get out of the comfort zone of the identity of what you already have. So I provide for people an awareness and tools of what it takes 
to create that new version, that new identity, that future self, because you can connect the dots going backwards. It's more challenging to connect the dots going forward. And it takes imagination. And that's what I'm really, you know, excited about when I work with people. It's like, let's inspire the imagination, work with this, you know, God-given gift that we all have and fantasize. And then when you identify something that really scares you and excites you and lights you on fire, and you make a decision and a commitment. And that's why the the groups that I have, we do a a 90 day sprint, you know, we're together three months. And in those three months, it's a high commitment level. Once you've chosen what that goal or dream is that you're aiming for, then it's up to you to become the torpedo to aim in the direction of that mark. And, but if you're going after something you already know how to do, you're not going to meet that new version. You're not. And I say to people, you probably don't know who you really are and you never will until you discover the parts of yourself you haven't yet met. Mm. Right. So how do you discover those parts? It's not going to be going after something you already have done or already know how to do. So it's pushing outside the comfort zone. It's deciding that, you know, like I worked with a woman who was 72 years old who wanted to lose weight. And I said, you know how to lose weight. You know how to go to the gym. You know how to hire a trainer. You know how to eat better. And then when I found out a little bit more about what excites her in her life, she told me that she really admired this 86-year-old bodybuilder. I think her name is Ernestine Shepard. And uh, and I said to her, okay, so why don't why don't you look into joining a bodybuilding competition? And you know, she pondered and then came back and said, I'm in. Said, okay, so you're not committed yet until you find a bodybuilding competition for your age category. You have the date and you pay for it. You sign up. So when she committed to signing up, now starts the journey of who do you have to be to get to that place? And that's where consistent dedication and action starts to happen. So she ended up at the gym every morning at five o'clock. She can hold a plank longer than her trainer. And, you know, she's 72 years old. She bought her pink fuchsia bikini. She started to see herself. And, yeah. there's a, you know, like visualization is powerful when you use your imagination to, but how do you create more than what you already know? Mm-hmm. There has to be stimulus. There has to be inspiration, whether it's pictures that you get on the computer, whether it's you see somebody else you admire in a certain environment, whatever it is that stimulates you to go outside what you already know. And then it's about the dedication of, well, who do you have to become? So she bought her pink fuchsia bikini and her tanning spray. Now it's moved from visualization to what is called motor imaging. Mm-hmm. And motor imaging is when you start to act it, you start to be it by wearing it, right? Just like the actor's role, the best actors are the ones who believe they are the character. And so once she started playing around with the tanning spray, her then she starts playing with body positions and then her whole body is activating. So this is what's called association. Mm-hmm. We get associated with the character. And a lot of people will say, you know, that's fake it till you make it. And it's like, not really. It's, you've got to know that you are the designer. And I say to people, design your messy, because as you're designing 
let's say the next step that might not be perfect. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with making mistakes? Are you okay with failure? And are you okay to say, I'm going to give it a shot anyway. I'm going to learn who I am in that, you know, at that level. And then once you get there, and if you look at it as a failure, you're probably going to go back to what you already know. But if you look at it as I designed this, I'm moving in this direction. I know I'm not going to be perfect when I get here. And I might even have, you know, a, a, a pie in my face. You know, I might be feel humiliated. I might be really embarrassed, whatever it is, but I've designed it. And when you've designed it, I say to people, you have a modicum of control. Mm-hmm. It's your life. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then you get to that place and now you've got a decision. Where do you go from here? So now she's got her pink fuchsia bikini and she's got her tanning spray and she starts practicing her pose and she's at the gym. Right. And then to get to the next level, then it's, you know, does she hire somebody to coach her in the competition? You know, what does she start watching more? videos, what's going to be inspiration, you know, to keep on building the image. And that's why I say self-image controls everything. Mm -hmm. You know, you really hit on something uh, that's really commonplace is that people are afraid of failure. Yeah. Yeah. They really are. I mean, our schools, um, it's easy uh, to feel like a failure in schools if your marks aren't good and all of that. And so we grow up um, being very careful with the choices that we make. Like people are very afraid sometimes to even make a choice, even when they know it's the right choice. So it's really hard for people, I think, to commit to themselves and believe that what they feel that they have lacked or they wanted to do that they haven't done. And the years keep ticking by that, that failure is standing in the way yeah, of them self-actualizing the true essence of who they've come here to be. And something that you said that I, I really like, um, I've heard you say this is It's the invisible side of success. So what is that invisible side of success? Have I said that correctly? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, well, again, everything is energy and Mm -hmm. everything has a frequency and everything is vibrating. You know, even the desk that doesn't look like it's moving is vibrating, right? So we're in a universe of interfacing with frequencies, And so we all have a frequency, we have a signature frequency and, you know, and so it's really to understand that the invisible side of success, and this is where, I mean, modern medicine has, um, you know, a lot of good to it, but a lot of um, treatment is not dealing with the invisible side, which is energy. Okay. And energy is, um, you know, we're still living in a world of Newtonian physics where it's all about the mechanics of being human and the 
let's use a pill and let's use a chemical. And yes, there is the mechanics of being human, but the invisible side of success is the unseen. There's so many frequencies that our eyes cannot see. You know, there's about, I don't know what it is, 99.9% of the frequencies out there that we cannot see, mm-hmm. you know, with the human eye. And all of those frequencies have impact. And so the invisible side of success is when you turn, you focus your mind because mind again is energy. Mind is an activity and the body is the movement of the mind. And a lot of people are using the same mind that they have to create change, but it's really about how do you create a new mind to Mm. impact the body, you know, to accept the the command let's say to move into a new action a new desire and to focus energy is our biggest power the 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 purpose of the conscious mind is to focus and choose focus and choose and so as energy is coming to us like we have what is it they say 70,000 80,000 random thoughts coming through our minds every day mm-hmm. and most of those i think about 85 to 90% of those are the same ones we had yesterday oh my goodness yeah so people are all, I, they're either focused on a negative past or a negative future. So it's about creating right now. If you're going to create a positive future, you've got to bring that positive future into the now and use your imagination and your ability to focus on that picture because subconscious mind interprets language into pictures, images, and images impact our emotional state. And we create through feeling and that's what manifests and that's what creates form in our outer reality. So it's the amount of desire that we drop in through repetition of a new idea, because a belief is just an idea we have over and over again, that we accept as the truth. So Mm -hmm. if somebody in your family says that you're stupid and they keep saying that over and over and over again, you're going to probably believe it because it's got emotional impact. Right. Right. Because we don't go around saying to our kids, you read your book. I'm so, so happy. Right. And if we did do that, that emotional frequency would really highly impact the child. So a child that's raised with praise will have self-esteem, whereas a child that's raised with criticism, like most of us, and even in the educational system, we're going to avoid pain. So the way that we can start to use the invisible side is to create the dream, create the images and fuse it with emotion that it's yours to have and to say it, believe it, see it feel it because the feeling that we're always after at the end of it anyway, no matter what the goal is, it's not the goal, it's the journey. And if we want happiness at the end of it, it's how do you find and have happiness now and use the energy because we can all just like an actor access happy right now. You have a happy thought. You think of something that you love, you feel love. You, you know, we have the ability to access those feelings no matter where we are, no matter what we do, right? Even Viktor Frankl in his book, The Man's Search for Meaning, you know, after going through the Holocaust camps and how he used his mind and positivity in order to create the the feeling state inside of him in order to survive, right? Survive, yeah. Yeah. And so when we can really um, define, and it doesn't have to start out with like this, really, really, really clear picture. It's about, are you listening to what excites you? Are you Mm -hmm. listening to what, you know, 
has always turned you on? What are all the books that you have on your shelf? What are like the cues around you that say you're you're obsessed about this? You know, it could be somebody who's obsessed about buying homes, right? Like you, yes. right? <laughs> and so that's where you you follow the energy of the desire and then you can start designing. And I know that when I was, was at UCLA, I was called, um, I know now what I, I am uh, or what I was at the time. I didn't know it at the time, right. but I, I decided that when I went to UCLA, I had already been out of school for 10 years and I decided that all my work was too perfectionistic and I was too obsessed with things being perfect. Yes. Painful when it wasn't perfect. And I had imposter syndrome, you know, mm -hmm. that I was not, if it just wasn't good enough, it was never good enough because I was never good enough. But I didn't know that I was being driven by that. I just knew that I was a, you know, I, I wanted things to look perfect. So I made a decision that I would go to school and I had the objective to fail and make mistakes and teach myself how to navigate through the waters of painful, you know, experiences. And I didn't even know exactly why, other than I wanted to break up with perfectionism. Okay. And so I made choices. I, I chose productions that were so outside my comfort zone. So, and they were like, I, I didn't even understand what they were about, you know, and, and I failed. I mean, the first two years, I almost got kicked out of UCLA, my, the middle of second year, because my productions were disastrous just disastrous. And I was like, oh, this is painful. This is pain. But I was choosing productions with 30, 40 people, two weeks of rehearsal and, you know, trying to get everybody on board, new plays. It was a mess, Rhonda. But by the end of, I think my second year, I produced and directed a show that became one of the biggest hits in UCLA history. Wow. And it went on to win uh, the best director award you know, the best production, I got scholarships. And then for my thesis production, I got everything I asked for, and more, and more surprises. And so it was a painful process. But I would never have met that version of me. Mm -hmm. had I not leapt and stepped off that cliff and deliberately designed my messy. Right. And so you said, break up with perfectionism. That mm -hmm. is very powerful. Um, because we need to break up with ourselves. That's right. And, you know, and, and the crap that we're telling ourselves all the time, I don't really find a better word than that for it. <laughs> um, but there's many things that we can break up with. Right? Absolutely. You know, not only our boyfriends or when our, our, our kids break up with us when they start to get a certain age and we become wounded and we go, oh my goodness, now I have to live without them because they have their own people. Um, and I just find that uh, it's very powerful because breaking up is painful. Mm -hmm. but, but you've just spent, spun that, that it's positive because you're making yourself stop continuing with a behavior that's not serving you right exactly and a lot of people let's say they they're just so overwhelmed by their vision they're so overwhelmed by their dream because it seems like it's so big and that's where you just choose one or two habits at a time or one or two beliefs that you need to break up with mm -hmm. 
and, you know, and give yourself, you know, like there's all kinds of studies done about you know, the right. neural pathways in the brain and creating new neural pathways from 30 days to 66 days, a London study, London university to 90 days. Yes. You know, sometimes there's things for me that it takes a year to break up with the, the neural pathway, the groove, right. The, the road, um, the roadmap that's been created in the brain. And when you have awareness of the difference between the brain and the mind, then to strategize, you know, spend 30 days on a new habit and, you know, and then at the end of a year, you'll need a telescope, as my mentor says, you know, to look back at who you were every year. I, like I keep doing my same program with people and I've got people in my programs that have repeated the same program for 10 years. We're just Wonderful. doing the same program, we're just coming at a different version of ourselves every time. So we see the program differently and we see the work differently and we see ourselves differently. And that's because as we move forward to this realization, we're, we're selecting milestones, right? And going after something that's still scary to go after, whether Mm -hmm. or not it's making 10 phone calls a day and committing to following up on that, whether or not, I mean, I work with a lot of financial advisors who have to make like 30 phone calls a day and cold calls. And we play games to trick the brain, you know, so that, you know, you, it's not about suppressing your feelings. It's not about saying, Oh, I don't feel scared. It's about acknowledging the feelings, feeling the feelings and identifying what's the story behind that feeling. What's the belief behind that feeling. Um, Here's an example. Like mm-hmm. if I wanted to say, I'm, I want to produce a Broadway show. I have everything in the world and the experience to be able to do that. If I really, really, really wanted to do that. But when I think about what's the biggest fear that comes up for me, the biggest fear is I don't like asking people for money. So if I don't like asking people for money, I probably am not going to produce a Broadway show. Right. Mm-hmm. So then to identify that, because that's part of why my so-called paradigm, it's part of my program. It's part of, I was raised that you don't ask people for help. You figure it out on your own. You do it on your own, right? You don't tell people your problems. You keep it home, right? And and so, but you're going to go a lot farther when you get help, you know, oh, and yeah. when you get support, you're going to go a lot farther, a lot faster. And so, if I identify that I have a fear of asking for money, then I can start to strategize that one of my new behaviors could be, you know, asking people for money, start smaller. So I might say, Rhonda, I, you know, I left my wallet in the car. Would, would you mind buying my coffee today? Mm-hmm. And then when you say, sure, I'd love to. And would you like a snack with that or a piece of, you know, a dessert or a cake with that? Right. And then I go, oh, I didn't die. His subconscious <laughs> mind, yes. you know, goes into the unknown territory. It's right. protecting us. Yes. So that we, you know, and it makes it feel like we're going to die mm-hmm. in order not to change, right? Because subconscious mind doesn't like the unknown, but everything we want is in the unknown. Everything, everything. we want, everything. Right. So how do you get to the unknown if you're going to keep holding on to the known? And but it's those navigating those feelings of discomfort, humiliation. And look, we need fear. It's it's important to let us know that one, we either have an error in our thinking or two, there's a bear in the woods and we need to run. Yes. Right. 
Mm-hmm. So it's, it's always about, for me, I'm always, I, I don't like calling negative feelings negative. I like calling them contrasting feelings because the contrast is just the other side of the pole and which side do you want to focus on? So if I have these feelings of fear and, and they, they're always going to keep coming up. It's just that the intensity starts to change. The intensity starts to change. Yes. Right. And you move to the next level of, well, now I'm going to ask somebody if they can pay for my parking. Right. You know, so I've gone from, you know, $8 to $20. Right. And then it's like, okay, so I want to um, support an animal in need. And um, so I'm going to enter, you know, I'm going to ask people to help this animal. And that might be a little bit more money. And then I find even what I practice as well is that when people are asking for money, I practice giving it. And then that way, the understanding of energy and flow and currency, right? Money is currency, money is energy, and how to allow oneself to get closer to the bigger vision is to get into these, you know, micro steps. And then the milestone that has a, you know, a level of discomfort. Yes. And then aim for that, aim for it and say, you know, I did it. You know, I was working on a film with, do you know who Tara Lipinski is? Mm-hmm. You know, and she won the gold medal in figure skating when she was yes. 15. Yeah. And, um, and I was coaching her on a film in Montreal where I'm from. And uh, she would go to, you know, the rink every morning at five o'clock before we started the film shoot. And I, I, a couple of times went to watch her and triple luck, she would do fall, crash, bam, up again, triple lux, fall down, up again, never complained, mm-hmm. just knew that it was practice, 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 right? And most of us stop because there's the four steps to learning, right? Whereas like, you don't even know what you don't know, then you know what you don't know. And then it's about, are you willing to become that version of yourself through practice, through doing it again, picking yourself up and doing it again and picking yourself up. And then you're going to get to a different level of proficiency. And then you become an unconscious competent where it's in your body and it becomes habitual because you're not even thinking about it. So it becomes part of your paradigm, which is just a fixed idea that, you know, you are who you are and now it's next level. Mm-hmm. Just if- Fabulous conversation here with Barbara Doust. You're listening to the Rhonda Grant Show, whose podcast has been treated with digital audio health by my sponsor, Cymatrex. And as you realize, I'm speaking with Barbara Doust. How may people reach out and contact you? Because this mastermind that you have sounds very, very exciting and rewarding. Oh, thank you. People can reach out on my website and book a session, a complimentary session to uh, strategize with me and see whether or not it's a fit. And the program is, um, again, I've done a lot of programs, Rhonda. I've taken a lot of programs. I've taught a lot of programs and I've coached a lot of people, but this particular program called thinking into results gets results. And I keep coming back to it and keep coming back to it. And it's 10 years now that I've been delivering this. And this is why I said there are clients that I have who have been doing it 10 years and the growth that I see and the understanding and of self 
as well as the actualization, the self-actualization. And people become what's really wonderful. They become leaders of themselves. So they can go to barbadows.com and they can book a, a complimentary session with me. They can also go to thesuccesscode.com and download, if they want to opt in to be on my email list, um, a download, a success code script where they write out, you know, a, a vision for their life. But I also add in, you know, what are the feelings and what are the images? It's kind of like writing your script, your movie script. Okay. And, and when you can let yourself really identify feelings and start associating with those feelings, then it becomes your responsibility to daily access those feelings, hold the images, but you can look at a baby and feel love. If you want love, let yourself feel love in many, many ways. And that's where, again, the frequency, your frequency starts to change and you will bring more of those like frequencies toward you. Mm -hmm. Just wonderful. And I may add that you are in very good hands with Barbara Doust because I've worked with Barbara and it's just amazing the care and genuineness she gives every client that she works with. Do you feel that you've been called? Do you feel that you've been called to your journey, Barbara? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Rhonda. You know, it's, uh, I have always even like, I didn't even understand as a child, I was a, a young performer. Um, I never understood really why I even wanted that, you know? And I think that I've been called, I love speaking on stage. I love inspiring. I love motivating people. Um, and I was, I was like that when I was four, I was just this little um, maybe bossy leader, you know, telling people, and, and like, even in sports, I, I would get the trophy for best sportsman because I was always cheering people on to do, you know, and, and I, I would get out of the way so that other people could do that. And I even saw for my whole life, I really worked with a lot of successful people and I've helped a lot of people become successful. And it wasn't until the loss of my husband that I realized that I was doing it for everybody else, but not for myself. Mm. And so I think it's become more of a journey that as I'm helping people successful, become successful and more successful, um, I too am walking my talk. I am yes. on the journey as well. Uh, you know, I'm not just preaching and I'm doing so that I can have the, the growth within me as well. And, and it's not about comparison with anyone else. It's really about just making a decision for oneself. And I would say that my calling has been to, to lead people to lead themselves. Wonderful. What a wonderful calling. What extraordinary discovery have you found in your life? I think the most extraordinary wake up call for me was again, seeing that I wasn't designing on the inside out. And that as I started to learn more about that, it became so much more clear to me why self-image was so important and self-image. You'll never outperform your self-image. You'll never outperform what you already know. So how do you find those parts that you don't know? And it really is through that self-image, how you see yourself, 
how you talk to yourself. What's your innermost dialogue? Are you committed to what's working versus what isn't working? How are you showing up? What is, you know, how are you, um, what are you wearing? So there's an outer image as well as that inner image. And that that is what controls everything. So as I like to say, you know, habits and behavior equal your personal reality, which is your personality. Mm, That is just wonderful. I really like that. That is wonderful. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience before we begin to wrap up? Yeah, I would say that, um, you know, positive thinking isn't, oh, everything's great. Everything's grand. Oh, I can say, you know, only look at the good. Um, I say positive thinking is really, really useful and helpful, but it's about, are you in the solution versus are you in the problem? And can you look at the problem as an obstacle, as a challenge that you're willing to take on because you've got your resources or you've got other people that you can ask for help, or you've got a whole plethora, you know, of solutions out there. And can you be a seeker in order for you to live the best version of yourself? Mm -hmm. Well, there you have it from Barbara Doust. Very passionate, professional, persistent um, person that I know. Uh, it's such a joy to know you. And I hope to have you back on the show again, Barbara. It's always a pleasure, Rhonda, because back at you, such a pleasure to know you and all that you do and all the people that you inspire, you know, is and, and witnessing you do that is just really exciting. Thank you very much. Theme song for the Rhonda Grant show is Sun on the Water, composed and performed by my friend John Park Wheeler. This is Rhonda Grant with The Rhonda Grant Show, author of Magical Forces Within, Extraordinary Discoveries in an Ordinary Life, inviting you to look for the magical forces within yourself today and every day. Thanks for tuning in to The Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you would like to find out more information about Rhonda and her upcoming guests and the work that she does, go to her website, rhondagrantauthor.com. That's rhondagrantauthor.com. Digital Audio Health by Cymatrax.